Um, there's a lot this morning that I'm going to cover, but what I'm going to uncover is teachable moments. Talk about how there's so many teachable moments in our lives. So um, the first teachable moment, my brother, Randy. Randy, can you stand up, please? This is Randy Kemp, okay? I want y'all to see Randy, and I want y'all to understand his name is Randy Kemp, C-A-C, okay? Access Ministry. My name is Derwin Anderson. I'm the executive pastor to the lead pastor, and no, we are not one in the same people, all right? Okay, so that's your first teachable moment. Now, the second one, and I saw a great example in the video, okay? So, this weekend, there's a couple things that went on in our family this week. So, Thursday, my wife and I celebrate our 21st wedding anniversary. Yes? So, we did in grand fashion. We brought the kids into the celebration, and we, went, we got tickets, passes, went to Epcot, did a lot of walking, Okay? And then Friday night, we had a end of the school year party with our kids and their friends and the friends' parents, all right? So if you know the Andersons, we love music, we love to dance. And I saw an example of what I'm gonna say in the video. Some people, when they dance, they go up. They, they jump, they go up. And some people, when they dance, they go down. I saw my brother going down in the video. Well, I did a little too much going down on Friday and my quads are screaming, okay? So if you see me doing this, you understand why. So it's a teachable moment. I'm no longer in my 30s or even my 40s, so the body doesn't recover as easily as it used to, all right? So here's the last teachable moment, and then we'll talk about how Jesus used a very pivotal teachable moment. So I have four children and um, three teenagers, so pray for me. Um, there'll be about four months where I have four teenagers that's coming next year, but pray for me now. So my middle daughter, who will remain nameless, but you know who she is now. Um, we're going to protect the innocent and not say her name. When she was a very young child, we were in the supermarket. Now, I have to tell you that I, I was the dad that loved to take the kids places. So I would take one or two or three or sometimes even all four of them to the supermarket. The thing is, when you take your child or children to the supermarket, you inevitably spend more money because they want this and they want that and they want this. So we are in the supermarket. It's just me and the middle daughter. And she was holding my hand. I won't, I won't forget this, what took place, because it was one of those teachable moments that you're like, dear Lord, what just happened? What just happened? And you want to like evaporate and be gone. So she's holding my hand, and we see a legitimate short person, okay? So I'm not meaning any disrespect, but a legitimate short person. And so she taps my hand with her other hand. So I'm on this side, she's on this side. She taps my hand, and she says, Daddy, loud. Why is that person so short? And I wanted to disappear, okay? But I couldn't. I'm in the moment. So I'm looking at her, and I'm freaking out, and I'm not a nervous person, but I'm nervous right now because I don't know what to do. So I get down on her level. I can't go down too low right now, but I get down on her level, and I say, baby, God makes people different. He's made us all different. You're, you're a female. I'm a male. Some people are black. Some people are white. You know, some people are tall. Some people are short, but, but God made us all. Does, does that make sense? You understand? She says, yes, that makes sense. Okay. And I look over and I didn't really want to look, but I looked over at the person, the guy, 
and he, and he went like this, good job, like this. And then he said, then he said, will you help me get this thing up on the top of the shelf? And I was like, cool, yeah, of course. So I grabbed it down and looked at my middle daughter and she smiled at me, I smiled at her and I felt like that was a teachable moment and I used it for something good because sometimes we miss the teachable moments. So there is an occasion in the scriptures and if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter five, verses one through 16, where Jesus saw the teachable moment and he took full advantage of it and we get to be recipients of that as we see this text. Now, what I wanna do this morning is answer this question. This is the question of the morning, okay? So how does the impact of my life become a teachable moment that culminates in shining bright for Jesus in a dark and confused world? The reason I'm saying dark and confused because we live in a dark world, we know that, but confused because there are certain things that historically we didn't question. We just knew a spade's a spade, a heart's a heart, and that's that. But all of a sudden, we've abandoned 2,000 years of church history, and some would even say we've, in, we've abandoned common sense and good sense, and now we're questioning things that we've never questioned before. Why? Because we are confused. I started watching a documentary series last night, and the first episode is about the changing landscape of death and how there's now death doulas and how you can compost a loved one and throw them in the soil and have them live for you, with you forever in a tree or a tomato. I'm telling you, there is stuff out there, and I'm, I was watching this, and I was like, what is going on? Like, what really is going on? And then people's digital profiles living forever and AI where you can actually have your spouse or your loved one with you and you can talk to them after they're gone and they talk back to you like you're talking to Siri and I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. But it's because we don't want to live in reality and we're confused. And so the Bible has a lot to say about life and how we can live in a way that our light shines in this confused world. So what I'd love for you to do is stand with me and let's read this text together. But as you're standing, I want to define the word shine. That's, that's the word we're going to focus on this morning. And shine means to glow or be bright with reflected light. So it's like the moon. The moon reflects the light from the, the sun. So we are little moons for Christ, if you will. We're reflecting the light of Christ. So let's read this text together. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, thank you for the teachable moment that you took advantage of so long ago, Father, that we can see and use as an example And the words that you said can impact our lives even today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we read through that, there's a lot going on. But what I want to show you is this. I want to show you that here is our opportunity to see what it means to shine, to reflect him. It's going to be hard for you to reflect him if you don't know him and if you don't have a personal relationship with him. And I will say it's going to be impossible for you to reflect him. So that's where we're going to end up. If you're wondering where we're going to go, we're going to end there. How can I be in relationship with God so that my light can shine for Christ? Now, let's start again with the end. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the end. We want God to be eminent in our lives. We want him to be preeminent first, first place, above all else. But we have to understand that can't happen if we are not in relationship with him. So as Jesus is going through these statements, we have what's called the Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. What does this word blessed mean? I'm glad you asked. So the word blessed means this, happy, fortunate, blissful, and is not based on emotion, or I would even say situation. It is the distinctive spiritual joy of those who share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. So ask yourself this question. If you feel like, man, my, my emotions seem to get the best of me all the time, and I'm up and down, and up and down, and up and down, maybe you are not living in a way that shows that you belong to him and shows that you are happy, fortunate, blissful because you're finding your joy maybe too much in circumstances and things than you are in him. That's a a question for self-reflection. Where are you finding your happiness? Now, things happen in life. I get it. Things happen. Good things and bad things. And when the bad things come, we process them and we're like, what is going on? And and so our emotions go up and down, yes. But if you're finding yourselves constantly being led emotionally by situations and not by this joy that comes from knowing Christ, ask yourself why and examine your situation. And then we'll talk this morning about how you can properly align, not so that you don't have an emotional roller coaster, but you know what to do when your emotions change and you know where to find ultimate joy. Okay, so that's what we're going to do this morning. So as we're going through this, this is what first we see in these blessed are statements, verses three through six. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So their their equity and what they're looking at is not here on earth. There's something eternal that is taking place. And the focus is there. It's not here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. How many of you have ever really had to mourn the loss of something or someone? You you mourned it, okay? And hopefully there was someone there that came alongside to comfort you 
in that time of mourning. And, and our greatest comforter is the spirit of, of, of Christ that lives in us. But then we also see blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So there is a, there's something that's causing you to desire righteousness. And I can tell you what it's not. It's not your flesh. Okay? Point number one, we will ultimately shine for Christ if we are hungering for the things of God that come from a heart that is relinquished to him. So let me talk a little bit about your old nature. And inevitably, whenever I preach, this comes up. Not in my notes, but here we go. So I have an old nature that I'm born into. The flesh, the sin. All of us are born into sin. And I'm going to call that dog Dookie. Okay? So we're born into sin. And we have this dog that is going to get fed in one way or another. Now, over here, when you accept Christ and, and understand everything I'm saying this morning, there, there is a relationship that has, to be, that has to begin and then be fostered for this to take place, okay? So over here, we have the spirit of God that lives in us. This is now your new nature. The Bible says that God has replaced a heart of stone and he's put in a heart of flesh. So this is now salvation. This is when I accept Christ. This is when I'm born again. So I now have a new nature. I have the spirit of God living in me. This doggy is called Lukey. Okay? So you have Dookie and Lukey. Guess what? Lukey has to be nurtured and coddled and fed. And, and you have to take good care of him. Dookie will take care of himself. So when you think about that fight between the flesh and the spirit, all day long, if you don't feed this, the, the, this, the spirit of God living in you, the flesh will rise up and take over. So the Bible says, if I, if I do what? If I live in the spirit and do and think about and ponder the deeds of the spirit, I won't do the deeds of the flesh. But sometimes we get it twisted and we live over here and we don't live over there. And if we're doing that, then we are not relinquished to God. And our heart does not hunger for righteousness. So I grew up here in, in Florida, in, in central Florida, in Tampa. Hot just like it is here. I think it's hotter here in the interior than it is in Tampa. I'm convinced. We'll see this summer. This is going to be our first full summer here um, in this part of Florida. But I remember my grandmother lived with us. My grandmother came um, from South America a few years after I was born, and she lived with us until she passed when I was in my mid-20s. And so she was part of raising us, my brother, my sister, and I. And I remember many a summer day that my grandmother would say, all right, go outside and play. And when you come in, you come in. Don't, don't come in and out. We're not air conditioning outside, she would say. You stay outside. So what we would do is we would get nourishment from the garden hose. Or if we rode far away, which we did, we would ride miles away. And we always knew where we were going and we would find a model home to go into and to get some fresh air, to get some air conditioning or to get some water. But when we stayed close to home, the garden hose was our, that, that would satisfy us. And what would it be like if I went to grab the garden hose, turn the water on and there was nothing? There was nothing. You know what? That could happen. 
It won't happen when you hunger and thirst for Christ. You will be satisfied because he has a never-ending supply. You know, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So that that supply that he has and according to when it says that in the text, it's out of a supply that will not run dry. It's a never ending supply. So I can count on God knowing that if I hunger and thirst for him and I'm relinquished to him, I will be fed. I will find what I want and what I need in him. The relationship that I have in him. Now, Jesus goes on and he says this in verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So the pure in heart see God, and the peacemakers are called sons of God. I'm going to unpack this a little bit. These are relational terms. Let's think about it this way. Seeing God. When it says you will see God, what, what do we say when we want somebody to understand that I got you? We might even say, I got you, I see you, I'm for you, I'm with you. Those are relational terms. But then we also see this. You're called a son of God. How are we called sons of God? The world wants to say we are all sons of God. That is not true. We are all God's creation, but we are not all his children. You become his child when you submit to him and you're in relationship with him. And that happens one time and then there's a continual living for him. And sometimes we do the dance between the two. But God wants us here. But you are saved. You are his child. Relational term. Now think about this. There are times in the Bible where we see, and one we're going to read in a little bit in Acts, where the church came around each other to meet needs. And I will say, since our family's been here at Northland, I have seen and experienced the meeting of needs. It may be emotional needs, physical needs, financial needs. I have seen it at work, even in my own family. I have seen and experienced people loving on my children, people loving on my wife, people loving on me. I've experienced it. You know why? Because we're part of a body, and that's what the body of Christ does. Now, you may say, well, I ain't experienced that, so what about me? Well, are you being that for others? Because sometimes we sit back and we say, well, I'm not getting any of that. Well, are you giving any of that? So a few weeks ago, a family here, two families came together. There was a wedding. Now, I want you to understand this. Up here on this stage this morning, it's relationships. We had two sisters up here, two that are engaged, are going to be married soon. We had two newlyweds up here. So these students, there's a lot going on up here, okay? But what I saw, I saw this a few weeks ago. I saw two families come together, but I saw the church family come around them to help with food and setup and to help with washing down the back porch and getting the house ready for the reception. How cool is that that the church is able to be that for one another? How cool is that? That is what we are, that is what we're here for as the church. And you may say, well, I want a part of that. Well, you can be a part of the church. Again, it's the relationship. Now, this is what I will say as well. COVID really messed us up. Really did. COVID got us in a situation where we couldn't do things the way that we used to. But then it set a pattern 
in motion for a lot of people where they still don't go back to church. And they don't even know why they're not going back to church. And they don't have plans to even remedy that and get back into church. And you may say, well, church is, is it's, it's, I'm part of the universal church, the big C church. Okay. So when you have a need, like a legit need, like you need someone to come and pray for you or you need a meal or something like that, when you're so disconnected, I'm not sure how easy it is to say I'm connected to the big C church and I see the practical things take place. Look at what, what is said in, in Acts right here. It's Acts chapter 4, verses 32 to 35. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's, that's what was allowing them to be connected. It was all about the resurrection. So the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, if you will. The resurrection was the focus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That's the church in action. So if there was a need, it was, it was accomplished and met through the church. That's what we see as our example. Again, that's because of relationship. It's relational. So Jesus goes on and he continues to encourage, but also to admonish. It's never good to just encourage. I can tell you all day long, man, you're doing a great job. And if I see that there's something off and I don't say it to you, and I'll admonish you that you got to course correct a little bit here, then I'm not being a faithful brother or sister. You, you understand what I mean when, when I say that? It's not just the good. It's, you, come on. You got to move over a little bit. You're, you're getting off kilter. Because if you stay off kilter, you know what happens. You go way off. So then this is what goes on, okay? We look at this situation and we say, all right, where, where is the culmination for all of this? How do we have a focus that is so different than the world? Because for the world, it's all about here and now. I told you about the example of this documentary that I watched and the death doulas and the composting of, of, of humans and them living forever. You know why people want to do that? Because they, they, they want to believe and focus on something that's beyond them, but they're focusing on the wrong thing and, and the wrong person, which will lead them to focus on the wrong thing. Where is our affection? If we understand our scripture, there is a place there is something that we aspire to, and it's, it's heaven. We, we live right now in the nasty now and now, and one day we will be in the sweet by and by. If you grew up in church, you know the song, in the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. One day. So my affections, my love, my heart is surrounded by the things of God, but the culmination of it is heaven. Listen to the lyrics of this song. Now, you're going to say... You are so old. Yeah, all right, that's all right. And I love music. So this is an old song by Steve Green called Heaven. And the lyrics say, heaven is my passion and prize. You know what a passion is? It's something that you believe in so much and you put your heart and your soul into it. So heaven is my passion and my prize, the goal on which I firmly fix my eyes. So my gaze, my heart, my affections are towards heaven. It's the reward of the faithful desire of the wise. 
So those of us who have been faithful to God, we are sending things to heaven before us. And when we get there, we will get to see the benefits of what we involved ourselves in and committed ourselves to. Heaven is my passion and prize. Can you say that? Is that your passion and prize? Now, I want to say this too. Happiness comes from a life that is lived in obedience to God. When my life is lived in obedience to God, remember those blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. If I follow suit with all those equations, then I will be happy because it's not the happiness that comes from situation or emotions. It's the happiness that comes from this life that's relinquished to God that says, it's all about you. It's what you want. And I'm going to be in obedience to you. Now, here's a simple equation to help you get all this, all right? So it starts with salvation. This is the born again. This is a given your life to Christ. It starts there. It's the gospel. It's the good news. So I've accepted the good news of Christ and I am saved. I'm a child of God. I'm not just his creation, but I'm now his child. Well, then salvation can lead to, but should lead to, continual transformed heart. I'm over here now because this is who? Which dog is this? This is Lukey. So I need, to, I need to live over here and not over there. Let me tell you something. It's easy, and it's, this is what some of us want to do. My, my thighs. We want to do this, right? I'm, I'm hurting y'all. Y'all think it's funny, but my wife can tell you on Friday night we were going to bed, and I was like, baby, I got a cramp. It, it's cramping. It's cramping. Go get the oils. And she, she got the oils, and yeah. But it, it, it's bad. It's bad. Yes. So we want to straddle. Is this easy to do? Yeah, it is. Is this easy to do? It's not easy to live over here because the flesh is like, come back over here. Come back. It's like those two, those, the angel and the demon on the shoulder. Am I contextualizing enough for some of y'all? Because now you know what I'm talking about. All right. Some of us older people. You got the demon and the angel, and they're both telling you things, and you, you follow the demon, and you're over here. You follow the angel, you're over here from the old cartoons. So bottom line is, if I am saved, and then I have a continual transformed heart towards Christ, I will see good works that are pleasing to Christ. Listen to this, 1 John 1, 6 and 7. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That word purify is a very heavy word. It's to cleanse. It's to make new. Now, I told you I grew up, um, my grandmother came from South America and lived with us, right? So I remember as a child, anytime anybody was not feeling well, there were usually three remedies to the not feeling well. We'll get to the fourth one. The fourth one is the one that the, the purify or purging, I will say. The first one was go lay down. So maybe you're just tired and need to go lay down. I'm like, okay, yeah, but I got a big gash in my arm. I don't know what laying down is going to do, but sure, I'll go lay down. The next one was go drink some water. I'm like, okay. The third one, does anybody know? Does anybody know? So, so go lay down, get some water. And the third one was, when's the last time you went number two? Okay, that was the third one. And if I ever answered, I don't remember. 
Then my grandmother would, we, we had this plant that came from their country. It's called the senna plant. If you take the leaves and you boil the senna plant, it makes this drink called senapad. And if you drink the senapad, then you got to go run to the toilet. Okay? Why? Because my grandmother would say to me, you need a good purging. And, and when I was really young, I would say, what does that mean, Grandma? And she says, I'm going to make something for you to drink. That thing was so nasty. It was so bitter. But I'm going to tell you what, it purged. It purified. And then you would feel better. The Spirit of God wants to purge and cleanse us of unrighteousness. He, he doesn't want us to live in the flesh. He wants us to do the deeds of the Spirit. But if we do that, we, we are going to continually be cleansed and purged because he has something different for us. Because he's our father, he's a good father, and it's about this relationship that's with him. This is point number two. If we will ultimately shine for Christ if we are living in genuine relationship with God and others. So we, we are submitting to him, but now we are living in genuine relationship, and that word is key. Genuine relationship with God and others. And what does that look like? Listen, listen to this in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, this beatitude is best understood when it's looked at from the end. The children of God are blessed because they are peacemakers. They are, in a sense, peace receivers who come, become transformed into peace diffusers through the power of Jesus Christ. And you're like, okay, help me understand that. Okay, so the peace receivers, we receive peace, the peace of God, from a relationship with God, right? So now we are to diffuse that peace into the world. So Pastor Josh came into the room where I was back before the service and I was just looking over my notes and he said, oh, you got that fancy cologne on, that good stuff, rich stuff. And I said, no, it's actually an oil. So it's, it wasn't that expensive, but it lasts. And then what does it do? It diffuses. You know what diffusion is? Okay, I'm not going to give you a science lesson, but it just, it permeates through the air, through the molecules, and it moves. And everywhere that the air is, it will go. So we are to be like that. We are to diffuse peace into the world because we've received peace from God. But if we're not living in right relationship, there's no way that can happen. But then we get, we get another shift, and that's what's going on in this text. It's shifting like this. It's shifting. So now in verses 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. That's the key. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now the word persecute, which we see here many times, is to run after, to pursue, to press, or put weight on. And if you are following Christ, please believe and understand that you will be persecuted. If you are following Christ, people will look at you and say, you think you're better than me because you choose not to do that? No, it's not that I think I'm better than you. It's because I choose to live in a way and act in a way that's pleasing to God. But there's a fight. There's a fight with your old nature and your new nature. There's always going to be that fight. And listen, the fight is not just from your old nature. Satan is loose. He's been turned loose into the world. So you have that to deal with as well. 
So you've got a fight from within and you have a fight from without. The things of this world want to grab you and encage you so that you are ineffective and inefficient in your witness for Christ. Don't let it happen. That's where being in relationship comes in as well because when we're in a relationship, hopefully somebody's keeping me or you in check. Says, brother, you live in foul. You shouldn't be doing that. That's not right. It doesn't please the Lord. Listen to this. This is again about persecution. John 15, 20. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So expect it. 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not maybe, not should be, but will be. These are intentional words. You will be persecuted. Now here's the point of clarity. Not all persecution is blessed. Only persecution for the sake of righteousness is blessed and will be blessed. Does that make sense to you? So just because you're persecuted doesn't mean that it's a godly persecution. And I will say this as well. If you stand for righteousness and if you stand for Jesus, you're standing in the, in the same place. You want to stand for Jesus and stand for what's right. Stand for what's holy. Stand for what's just. Stand for what pleases the heart of God. I've heard this as well. If I never run into the devil, it's because we are both headed in the same direction. How do you like that one? That's, that's heavy. So I'm going with the enemy. And if you don't see persecution in your life, could it possibly be that Satan already has you and is using you to do what he needs you to do for him? So why would he be chasing you? Why would you have persecution? Our enemy is out to devour us. Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Bible says to do what with that? Resist him. Steadfast in your faith. You're not alone in the things that you battle. Verse 12 of Matthew. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Again, that's the focus. It's not now, it's later. For in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. Salt has two purposes. Help me. What are they for? For flavor and preservation. If the salt, the Bible says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It can't. That's a rhetorical question. It cannot. It's no good. What do you do with it then? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot. So that's talking about us as Christians. If our example and our witness becomes ineffective, guess what? We're like salt that's lost its saltiness. No longer good for flavor. And you may say, well, what does that mean for flavor? Pastor Josh has talked about this many times. Think about the creativity and arts in the, in the kingdom of God, in the economy of God. That's flavor that we as Christians can offer and, and are to be in the world. We are the flavor enhancers, not the world. Sometimes we get that twisted and we want to live over here. But remember, we can party too. We can party. We can have a good time in the bounds of Christ. Now, let me say this, and I believe it's Ephesians 5.18. It says, do not be drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? 
So some of you are saying, so the Bible just says, don't be drunk. Yes, that's exactly what it's saying. Don't be drunk, that's sin. Dissipation, debauchery, that's sin. But it says, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what does being filled with the Spirit look like? Well, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I will say this, when we look at that text in Ephesians, what we are to understand is the Bible is saying, Paul is saying to us, do not let anything control you outside of the Spirit of God. So lust, anger, greed, malice, alcohol, any of those things, they're not of God, they're bad. And if they control you and, and drive you to do what you do, then you are not being controlled by the Spirit of God. In fact, you're allowing your old nature and the things of the world to control you and to guide you. Then it says this about light. You are, we are, the light of the world. Not just of Seminole County or Florida or the United States. We are the light of the world. Our witness needs, is worldwide. You know who Mr. Worldwide is? Who's Mr. Worldwide? You young people might know who Mr. Worldwide is. Y'all know who he is? Some pit bulls. See, some of y'all know. I didn't know who Mr. Worldwide is. I heard this song the other day, and they said, Mr. Worldwide. And I'm like, Jesus is Mr. Worldwide. Who is Mr. Worldwide? No, it was, it was Pitbull. So we are to be worldwide with our witness, okay? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, or a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Hide it under a bushel. Weak. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. You learned that when you were a kid. You don't hide it under a bushel. You let it shine. And then when you let it shine, what happens? Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. That's our witness. We are worldwide. You think you want to be big and bad for somebody? Be big and bad for Jesus and be worldwide with your witness. So then, what do we do with this information? This is, this is a lot of information. How do we shine bright for Christ in a dark and confused world, and how do we live with such outward and inward persecution? Because remember, it's my sin nature, but it's also the enemy and the things of this world. Well, number one, we pray. Pray for others, but pray for yourself too. Pray that God would protect you and put a hedge of protection around you. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that we are members of the same body. So when I hurt, you hurt. When you hurt, I hurt. So we need to feel that and live that. We pray. But also what we do is we lean on our family. If we are truly sons and daughters of God because we live in relationship with him through his son, then we're family. Let's live like we're family. Let's encourage one another. How about number three? We expect things that are made to refine us. Expect it. Don't be like, well, where did that come from? No, it's to refine you. It's to make you more conformed to the image of Christ. So it's going to come. Don't be surprised. 1 John 3.13 says this. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised. That's part of living for Christ. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. That word test is a, it's, it's not a negative or a positive word, but based on the outcome is what makes it negative or positive. So when we're tested by the enemy, it's not negative or positive. The outcome is what makes it negative or positive. 
It's on to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Because when you're tested, you have a choice. You're either going to do right or you're going to do wrong. If you do right, the testing was positive. If you do wrong, the testing was negative. Jesus was tempted or tested. Same, same thing. He did right. He didn't have it in him. He, didn't, he doesn't have the propensity to do wrong. So his test in his, in his humanness he did, but not in his deity, not being fully God and fully man. For some of you, you're like, that's a lot. We don't have time to unpack that today. So number four, we examine ourselves. So I, I take inventory of what's going on. And sometimes, and the Bible is clear, sometimes we don't even know the intent of our own hearts. You know why? Because our hearts are deceitful and they're wicked. So it's difficult to even know, are my intentions pure? Are, are they pure? Am I doing this because I want to please God or please others? Or am I doing this to make myself feel good? Sometimes we really don't know. Number five, we embrace righteousness. Don't stay over here with Dookie. Embrace righteousness over there and live in the spirit. Number six, stay encouraged. Sometimes you have to do what? Encourage yourself. Some of you know the song. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself because it's hard out there on them streets. It's hard. Am I, am I the only one that it's hard sometimes? And you have to say, keep on going, big boy. You can do this. Lord's on your side. The spirit lives in you. Don't stop. You have to encourage yourself. And then number seven, we remember the reward. What's the reward? It's heaven. It's not here. It's heaven. If we do those things, it will ultimately lead to this. This is point three. We will ultimately shine for Jesus, for Christ, if we are taking constant inventory and assessment of our lives. It's constant. It is constant. Don't let, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. The Bible says so much about how we live this life and we're constantly looking at it and saying, all right, am I following Christ? I'm too close over here. I need to come over here. So I'm constantly taking evaluation of what's going on. And again, our hearts are so deceitful and wicked that sometimes what we have assessed might even be off. And that's why brothers and sisters could say, man, I don't think you're thinking right about that. And they can help pull us in the right direction. And let me say this too. The goal is not persecution. That's not the goal. I'm, not, I'm living so hard for Christ and I want to get persecuted. No, the goal is righteousness. The goal is to live for Christ in such a way that people see your good works and they glorify your father in heaven. But in order to do this, in order to live like this, you've got to die. You've got to die to self. You've got to die to the things of this world. You've got to die to the enemy's attack and you have to live for Christ. Another song that really impacted me in my young 20s, a song by a group called Avalon, and it's called The Dreams I Dream For You. Because sometimes the dreams that we dream and, and the things that we aspire to are not always from the Lord, and we cling on to them. And the song goes like this. The dreams I dream for you are deeper than the ones you're clinging to, more precious than the finest thing you knew and truer than the treasures you pursue. Let the old dreams die like stars that fade from view. Stars fade from view slowly. They don't just disappear like that. So it could take a while for those, that dream to disappear. Like stars that fade from view, then take the cup I offer and drink deeply of the dreams I dream for you. This is, the, this is an image of Christ speaking to us, of God saying, listen, what you're aspiring towards, and that, that's not what I have for your life. So you need to 
allow me to rearrange and to change that dream. And that's what he does. Again, this all comes from a relationship with him and a relationship that we have then with brothers and sisters. So back to our initial question. How does the impact of my life become a teachable moment that culminates in shining bright for Jesus in a dark and confused world? Shine. To glow or to be bright and reflect light. In the same way, Matthew says, as he is writing and penning the words of Christ, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This all comes out of relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with others. And the question this morning would be, do you know him? Some of you are sitting here and say, this is great. This is a lot. I love what you said and I love what the Bible says. Well, great. But if you don't know Christ as your personal savior, then what is all this? So there's an invitation this morning. And you may say, what, tell me what that is. The invitation is we're going to sing a song. And during the song, you are invited to come forward. There will be people here who will greet you to pray with you, to pray for you, to answer questions about this relationship that you kept on talking about and how you can be in relationship with God and therefore be in relationship with the family of God, the church. But it starts with that relationship. So as they sing, the only way for you to shine bright for Christ is to be in relationship with him. That's, that's the only way for Christ to fully be magnified in your life and in my life. So I want you to stand and sing with us this morning as we look at and think about and ponder Christ being magnified in our lives.